From the PSIA ASI Satellite Studios in Corvallis, Oregon, I'm George Thomas. You're listening to First Chair, and what a wonderful guest we have today. Melody Buell is joining us. And Melody, it's been a while, but so good to chat with you again. How's your season going? Uh, actually, how's your season getting off to a start this year? Thanks, George. It's an honor to be here and to be spending some time with you. And I have to say that despite, you know, well, actually including the, the, the late snow and, and some of those uh, stop starts that we've seen already this morning, we are off and running. Uh, OAS, Oregon Adaptive Sports here, uh, based out of Central Oregon, we are, gosh, what are we, six or seven days into training, getting our instructors ready to take on lessons and our volunteer assistants uh, ready to help make that lifeline that they so essentially support in our organization uh, happen out on the snow. Now, I met you first back at Symposium a few years ago, um, had a really interesting interview with you, but got to ski with you for a couple of days, and you're pretty amazing. <laughs> um, very knowledgeable. Thank you. But I really want to talk with you. You're very, very involved with adaptive teaching. Um, how did you get involved with that? And what's your? why is that such a passion for you? also enjoyed skiing with you back at Symposium in Sun Valley many years ago, and I'm, I'm flattered that you remember. I, you know, I came from a racing background, and I had a moment when I was coaching racing post my years of competition where I needed something to change. I, I, I needed my experience to be filled with something, and I have to say at that time, you know, I was in my 20s, I didn't know what the something was. So I went out... And I actually made my race team attend the volunteer training for Oregon Adaptive Sports, thinking that I was going to teach them a lesson. And I found the something. It was heart. It was this environment where people wanted to be there. They, and they, they showed up fully. They were appreciative. And I'm not just talking about the learners. I'm talking about everyone that's involved. These organizations that that they are the producer of adaptive programs and the people who are part of it, they're there because they have purpose, and it helped me establish a purpose. And I've been involved ever since. I think it's well over fifteen years now. Wow! And I was just going to ask. I mean, you said back in your twenties, so I was thinking more like five years ago. Ha! Huh. <laughs> Adorable. <laughs> <laughs> but so tell us about Oregon Adaptive Sports and how you became involved with them uh, originally. So that first volunteer training, I, you know, I, I, I ended up volunteering almost any day I had off the rest of that season. And I was offered a job to come on as an instructor as soon as I, I had a little bit more time. So that following year, I, I resigned from my, my role as head co coach for the ski racing team and took that instructor position. Oregon Adaptive Sports honestly provides life-changing outdoor experiences for people uh, with diagnoses and disabilities, and it has stuck to that mission for, gosh, I think we're into 30-plus years now. I might be off a couple on that one. And we really specialize in snow sports and uh, cycling, so specifically uh, mountain biking, and and we do some road cycling, and then, of course, 
cycling around in that community nature that might kind of look like town rides. So we we certainly provide a lot of opportunities to a lot of different people. Well, and I was just going to ask if are you employed by them year round? Do you teach um, mountain biking in the summers? Yes, I am. I have a full time year round job, and I am education and training manager in that role. Uh, and I see uh, oversee the mountain biking program and its growth, and then any of our other in field recreational activities as well. So, so yes, I coach mountain biking in the summer. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> I have it great. How can instructors become involved with adaptive? Um, if there's any interest there, are there clinics that are available? Uh, I know a lot of schools don't have an adaptive program as part of them, but maybe there's a you know a, a, an adaptive program that'll be at the mountain. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So I want to point to some of our resources that are available right now to our members. So we have uh, four e-learning courses that are available to any of our members, and they focus on equipment-based lessons. So we've got a monoski, biski, four-track, three-track e-learning course. Gosh, I think there are probably 30 to 45 minutes that any of our members can seek out. And then from there, uh, of course, adaptive is based off alpine or snowboard. So whatever it is that you are doing in your primary discipline, start to get engaged with how those things could look differently if somebody moves a little bit differently. So that's a way you could take care of yourself. Additionally to that, if you're in a region and you're not seeing what you want, I would encourage you to ask for it. You know, I can speak to the Northwest. I'm a big advocate for for our members and instructors uh, specifically to, to ask for what they want. And that can be to me directly or to, to throw in a request to the region and, and ask for clinics or exams. And we really hustle to do our best to make sure that we're fulfilling that and creating opportunities. Another way you could do it is seek out another organization and ask if you could come down that's maybe nearby and see if you could come down for a couple of trainings. I know here at OAS we've had some people come in from other other adaptive programs to join us for our training uh, just to get a little more education and we've definitely been open to that. We certainly want to support anyone in their educational knowledge uh, however that might look for them. Melody I actually read the adaptive alpine manual and it can be intimidating because there's such a wide range of uh, areas where you would be focused on a lesson. How does one start to actually educate themselves on all the different areas where we need to have those teaching skills um, and then create a focus where we're able to, to uh, specialize when we're, when we're teaching someone? I really appreciate you saying that. I, I joke uh, with with Coach Krill sometimes that I, I think that adaptive instructors, especially those who are well-educated laterally and are, are the superheroes uh, of our discipline. And it's because you really have to understand our technical and our technical fundamentals and how they can look when a body might not move the way we expect it to. And I really want to hone in on that because it's a big piece around expectation. We see an image, you know, on a video where someone is has phenomenal symmetry in their biomechanics and they can do things equally on both sides. And then what happens if someone doesn't have access to a joint the same way you expect them to? Well, now we need to look at our, our technical fundamentals differently and consider, well, how can we create movement so that the ski can be impacted in a way to get the, the movements that we're looking for so that the ski 
he can perform uh, the, the way the way that we need it to, because that's ultimately what matters. And it might require you to think far outside of what you've been used to. So it's pushing these spaces of what's maybe a little bit less conventional, being creative, moving outside of what you've heard and moving towards what you understand. And then even pushing it a little bit more. Getting in a sit ski terrifies me. I've never skied with outriggers. Uh, I haven't used anything that uh, I would use on a snowboard uh, for an adaptive lesson. If, if I am not comfortable using that myself, how can I teach that to someone else? But I invite you to start moving in a path for, uh, towards lessons that don't need equipment. So there's a big portion of adaptive teaching. In fact, most schools are ranging somewhere between 60 and 80% are alpine or snowboard lessons. And then the rest might be equipment-based. So think about those numbers as, you, as you're processing, like, oh, gosh, do I need to have this equipment knowledge? Not really. You can enter the space with your alpine or snowboard base, which is you're going to need it no matter what discipline you teach to. And then if you're moving if, and provide a lesson to someone uh, or deepen your knowledge about people with autism spectrum disorder or who have Down syndrome and understand those protocols a little bit more. And that's going to start to expand your ability uh, to teach a broader, broader population. And within that, you know, the thing is, is that if you start to, if you start to, to, to look at the way our, the equipment applications are, if you have a couple conversations, honestly, like George, if you and I chatted through how an activity, for example, or a performance outcome in Alpine might look, and then we translated it over to, say, monoskiing, we're very quickly going to realize it is all just skiing. And I think that with a little bit of practice, you would be able to understand, even just by looking at it, how it's similar and to lean on the foundation that you have in your education for Alpine and then start to adapt it to those other disciplines as well. That's all just skiing. I've been through some really traumatic injuries myself. And while the ski skills can be there and my body may have a little difficulty moving into some angles, (laughs) unless I stretch and do all my exercises right. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But I also have an element of fear in the back of my head. I don't want to get hurt like that again. How can we overcome something like that with our guests as well? So now I'm having you give me a lesson. (laughs) You're welcome. Anything I can do to invest in you, George, I'm happy to do that. You know, the thing I feel like I hear you talking about is something that's been fairly ripe for me, and it's this idea of fear of failure. And failure is a really important element of learning. We're not always going to get it right, but we can create environments where we can minimize risk. You know, I'm thinking about our teaching fundamentals and right there to the bottom of the list. And we... We can manage that. You know, I'm not going to pop you in a sit ski and say, hey, good luck. Why would I do that? Right? That's that assessment. You know, that's my ability to look and see where you're at and to meet you where you are. And if you come to me and I can see maybe by your nonverbal communication that, that you are loaded with some fear, I'm going to help you with that. I'm going to show up for you. 
I'm going to help you build the skill to be successful in what it is that you want to do. And we're going to do it together. And then when you have failures, I'm going to be there. Which honestly sounds like really just teaching a great lesson. I agree. I think it's taking that time. You know, I, I want, I've, I've heard a few things from some of our, our directors, our ski school directors and GMs, is that they want meaningful experiences for our guests. They want their instructors to engage and connect. And this is part of it. It's managing the reality that our guests are going to have fear. They're coming to you with, and seeking your expertise so that you can help them move towards something that doesn't feel comfortable. That discomfort is welcome. And when we can work them through the experience and help show them, uh, help lead them into skill development, I think we're going to see stronger and stronger connections between our instructors and our guests. And we're going to see skill acquisition. We're going to see skill development uh, with our, uh, as an outcome. So, Let's get back to instructing with this. Uh, again, uh, an instructor who may have a bit of interest in looking into adaptive. Um, again, where do we go to get those introductory videos at thesnowpros.org? Uh, and then what would be the next steps for someone to get trained and become comfortable with actually being able to get out and teach a lesson? Again, especially if they're mountain uh, school doesn't have an adaptive program? Great question. And the truth is, George, I don't have an easy answer for you. Um, what I've seen a lot of is people taking the time to seek out other adaptive programs ah, okay. that might not be at home. Or the other thing you can do is you can go to your uh, director or your training manager and ask if you could get a, a maybe a member school clinic uh, around adaptive. I know I've been brought in a few times to give uh, adaptive clinics to non-adaptive ski schools uh, that have helped be, provide a little bit more inclusivity for people with cognitive or intellectual diagnoses. Awesome. Well, Melody, thank you so much for, for taking the time to chat with us. Definitely want to have you on as a regular guest um, because there's so much content here that I'd really like to explore with you. Um, anything you'd like to say in conclusion to the membership? It's been a pleasure, George. I appreciate it. And to the membership, stay with your passion, get close to your purpose, and keep giving it, getting out there and sharing what you know. Melody Buell, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us on First Chair. My pleasure, George. From the PSIA ASI Satellite Studios in Corvallis, Oregon, I'm George Thomas.